0: I got this article here that uh, Apple's iPhone SE is stealing some Android users. And I can't say that I'm surprised. It's uh, It's been a long time since Apple had a real budget play. Had an option out there, something with an Apple logo on it that was affordable in smartphone terms. There have been, there was the other SE model but prior to that or after that it's just been you have to buy an older model if you want to catch a deal mm-hmm. there was the 10r but it wasn't really that budget and then they come with the SE and for all the things you can say about the SE as far as the the the, the old hardware the old form factor it's still the cheapest way to get into iOS give iOS a try and it's got that chip in it. It's got that heavy hitter, A13, which for the price, if that's your prerogative, you want to get in there and get a hot chip. Well, this is one way to do it. Mm-hmm. Now, the uh, that data company, well, what's their name? We've cited them many times here on the show. I believe it's uh, Canalis. is that their name? Anyway, they did a, an analysis, as you would if you were one of these companies. kind of what you do. I think if you scroll down, you'll be able to find it. Uh, And they looked at where iPhone SE users were coming from. Now I cited the wrong analysis company. This is terrible. This is a disaster. Just scroll up a little bit. We're going to get it right because this is a news show, so we're going to get it right. Scroll up below. There it is. What's the name of the company? We're going to get it right. Counterpoint Research. they are the other ones. Counterpoint Research. It's very important. We got to get it right. Well, shout out to both of them. They're doing great things. Good job. And uh, giving us the the, the the raw data stuff we're looking for. Mm. Now, they uh, they estimated uh, 30% of iPhone SE buyers came from iPhone 6S or older handsets, which is something I said in the original content around the SE when I was talking about it on Unbox Therapy. Uh, there's a lot of people holding on to these older devices. Mm-hmm. They don't need every newfangled feature. They were just They just wanted a faster phone. And they say, my phone is lagging. I want a faster phone. And guess what Apple gave you? They gave you an inexpensive, faster phone mm-hmm. with the latest chip around all the latest software. So you said, okay, I'll take it. Uh, that same company found that something around, I think it was like 26%, around 26% of the uh, new users, yeah, 26, moved from an Android device. So that's the number that gets the attention. Because you can imagine an iPhone 6S or older user getting jumping into an SE, avoiding all the expensive stuff. But the Android users, where did they come from? Well, I think there's two groups. And this is all speculation. But I can speak from experience as a guy who has an opportunity to test out all the different platforms on a frequent basis. Every so often you say, I'm just going to use iOS for a bit. Mm-hmm. And I know it's an odd I'm drawing an odd comparison here because it's kind of what I do. And for the regular person, it's a bit more risky for them, but it's still entertaining. I can imagine myself if I had been on Android for a number of years, say, oh, I'm going to go give iOS a shot. Or if I was on iOS for a number of years, if I'm a tech enthusiast, i say, I want to give Android a shot. I'm sure you've even, you've even had this feeling yourself.
1: Yeah, I want to see what's up in
0: the ecosystem. You want to see what's up. Yeah. As a tech fan, you want to see what's up. So... There's that piece, but the seeing what's up component only works if the cost is manageable. <laughs> if you're going to go see what's up for $1,200, well, that's a tougher sales pitch. But if you're going to go see what's up for $399, okay, maybe there's an argument to be had, and you're gonna you're going to play around a little bit. And it's just, I think the iPhone SE is interesting, and there's a reason I made two videos on it. One with all the pros, one with all the cons. I think it's interesting because where a lot of other manufacturers, when it comes to the budget model, what they do is they give you everything except the high-powered chip. They give you everything else. Decent camera, uh, nice display, screen-to-body ratio, modern battery. They give you everything else but the chip. Apple went the different approach. They gave you the chip and nothing else. (laughs) Or they just gave you the old stuff. And so it's cool to see how customers have responded to that and that there is a customer base that's interested in that. Not just an older, older iPhone user base, but also an Android user base that wants to see what that's about. So the chip, it turns out, is more important to customers than we may have thought. Mm. The chip is mo- maybe more important to customers than some of the other elements. I know this device would probably kill me from a battery perspective, no matter what. Mm. Just got a small battery, and, and that's not something that improves with time. And I'm a big battery user. So that's kind of a deal breaker for me. And I think it's going to be a deal breaker for some. But these kind of smaller devices, uh, affordable devices, and certainly devices with an Apple logo on it, uh, that's, a, that's a rarity. Mm. And so the iPhone SE is coming for your money. That said, Google is finally going to release this, uh, this new Pixel device and it's not my next story. I just wanted to get that oh, in there. Okay, yeah.
1: All right.
0: The, the Google's going to re- release this Pixel 4a finally and if it has a Snapdragon 765 in it and it has a, a couple of other key attributes and it has the right comes in at the right price since they've had so much time to reconsider now then then that could be a challenger at least in 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 my world although the general public All about iPhones, iPhone SEs, in North America, at least. Uh, The article that you wanted to jump to real quick there, Apple ordering five times more OLED screens from LG to diversify iPhone supplies. This is something we've covered frequently, the fact that Apple is so tied to Samsung. Mm -hmm. Tied right up. In fact, so tied up that they had to pay them that giant penalty fee, if you recall.
1: Yeah, they bought too many OLED screens?
0: No, they had committed to buy more OLED screens than they eventually ended up needing mm-hmm. and they had to pay a penalty of close to a billion, I believe. Mm. Just a penalty. Just here you go. Sorry. Apology money. Mm. 950 million is the estimate on that. And and just it's just weird for them, Samsung a big competitor for them. It's weird for them to be so dependent on Samsung for OLED tech, which is just such a significant piece of their business model. I mean, what is Apple without OLED at this point? You need it. You can't have these pro models without OLED in there. We have no alternative. And Samsung just keeps knocking it out of the park, Grand Slam style, when it comes to OLEDs. Mm. You know what a Grand Slam is, Will? I'm not talking about the breakfast at Denny's. Baseball. Yeah, what happens in a Grand Slam? Break it down.
1: Uh, Is it when everyone's on base? There you go. And then the hitter gets a home run.
0: Look at you. And then everyone... It's gets, unbelievable. You know, Willie uh-huh. Do, he's all grown up. Well, you know. He's breaking down the grand slam for you. What a word. I just love it. Grand slam. Yeah. Cool. Feels big. Feels important. Anyway, yeah. So uh, Apple increasingly does not want to be too reliant on Samsung for obvious reasons, even though Samsung... They're sort of at the top of their game when it comes to OLED for mobile devices. I always wondered with LG because they've done so well with the larger format OLED displays. I'm like, when are these guys going to pick up the steam on the right. supplying the uh, mobile OLED displays? Apparently, they're going to supply five times what they have in the past. Could be somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 million displays. Whereas uh, the this uh, same report says that Samsung the uh, the scale of the order could be around 55 million. So just to put it in perspective of the piece that LG could take away. Now ultimately it, it appears according to rumors that Apple would love to move to some other supplier as well, Chinese supplier like BO BOE is that the name? Yeah, BOE, but they they of course have cited in the past quality concerns. Mm. Samsung makes nice OLED displays and if I'm spending $1000 on a smartphone, I want I probably want a nice OLED display. Well, Call oh, yeah. me crazy, they already do. I mean, I don't think that's crazy at all. Hmm. You want a nice OLED display. But LG stepping up the game, and they're going to take part in uh, the construction, by the looks of it, of one of the most popular smartphones on planet Earth. So shout out, LG. Well done. Hopefully, they, they, they don't have the quality concerns. No,
2: hopefully, hopefully,
0: they deliver on a promise. Hopefully, these are beauty-looking displays. Everybody's happy. Hmm. Speaking of these displays, look at this. Images of a 5.4 inch iPhone 12 display panel, surfaces on Weibo, Chinese social media. And uh, what's interesting here, of course, you can tell immediately, the display has these tiny little slim bezels, barely any. Now, maybe the chassis of the device is gonna add something, but still, well, (laughs) You know that the rumors and leaks are putting at least a couple of these new models as this sort of more slender more how I how would you describe it modern I guess yeah. even though it's sort of seems inspired by old Apple designs they're, they're more the potentially more modern approach of squaring some things mm-hmm. thinning some things out well this would appear to point in that direction. Uh, another thing about this leak you can look at the notch cutout. Some had speculated that Apple may, on one of the models, shrink the notch somewhat. That doesn't look too shrunken to me. Looks like a pretty similar scale, notch notch scale. Uh, So they predict that this is a 5.4-inch model just because of the hand scale in this particular image. Uh, Of course, there's going to be multiple models. You could have a 5.4-inch model, uh, two 6.1-inch models, and a 6.7-inch model. Lots to choose from in the next generation iPhone, which, let I, I mean, I have to remind you, has been delayed. Probably not going to see it until October at this point because of supply issues, maybe even supply issues when it comes to displays. But anyway, there's a first look pointing in the direction of that next design. I know you're very excited, Will. Mm. Speaking of that notch on the display, responsible, of course, for one of the world's most famous face unlocks, Face ID... Face ID working now around the new new costume of the public. The new normal. The new norm, the new attire of the citizens of planet Earth, which, of course, is the mask. Mm -hmm. There's many different forms of masks out there. You have blue, you have white, you have black, you have many different choices. And believe it or not, your choice of mask actually impacts the effectiveness of your face ID or face unlock for that matter. Uh, apparently, the black mask is the worst one when it comes to um, just
1: recognition error rates. Oh.
0: The error rates there's a big scale of error rates, but they're obviously much higher when it comes to mask wearing. Something between five and fifty percent. That's the scope of the error rate on the variety of different facial unlock. Uh, technologies that are out there now you probably remember from the various presentations on how secure these face unlocks are and how they get smarter over time and how your beard and your glasses and nothing can break them well if you cover your face completely you can break them and and you can screw up all their smart neural algorithm fun stuff
2: oh
1: well that that's unfortunate
0: yeah because they got the machines working and all that but all the input and everything they were jamming into the neural was around the human face the way it was prior to this Mm. now they got to rework that stuff and that takes time it's very sophisticated now they got to say okay focus mostly on the eyes and the bridge of the nose and because they do they do see quite a difference in the Error rate, even when the bridge of the nose starts to appear and the mask is a little bit lower, it's very interesting stuff. so these these guys, these engineers, they created this very sophisticated thing and then Corona didn't care and then mask no. masks, hit, masks came out and they broke all the work and they have to redo it. It actually reminded me though of the eye on lock tech, which went nowhere and was on a couple of devices it was slow was the problem but maybe now you invest a few more bucks in that because the eyes now are the thing you have access to even in our uh, mask wearing future Elon Musk says Teslas are too expensive uh it's not often that a CEO will tell you that his company's products are too expensive yeah you gotta appreciate that mm-hmm. he goes on there speaks his mind and for better or for worse some people like it some people don't
1: well he would he should tell us the the real expensive making the car.
0: <laughs> I'm sure he would. I'm sure he okay. would because they haven't been all that profitable. So he'll say it's too expensive to make, too expensive to sell, too expensive for customers, all the rest of it. He said his stock was too expensive and then what happened? The stock got more expensive. Hmm. So now the car price goes up because he said it was... Too- no, I'm just kidding. No, he, he's got a point here. He wants to bring down the price. He also feels like they need a different model according to a couple quotes I've probably taken off his Twitter. It's important to make the car affordable. Like the thing that bugs me the most about where we are right now is that our cars are not affordable enough. Affordable enough. We need to fix that. This may have come from his interview with uh, the New York Times. I'm not sure where this originated, but uh, they're they're opening this gigafactory in Berlin, and as you're probably aware, Will, the style of car that's popular in Europe not exactly the same as here in North America. People gravitate towards smaller cars more frequently. A lot of the subcompact cars that were popular here for a short period of time, not as popular. And then now now they're going, I'm talking the really small cars, Mm -hmm. you know? And now they left the market because people long-term didn't really gravitate towards them. Bigger roadways, giant highways, bigger parking lots. Yeah. You know how it goes. Uh, Bigger beverages. When you head to the McDonald's, you order the large. Big gulp. (laughs) Yeah. Bunch of big gulps. So he was saying, well, we got this gigafactory now. Maybe what we do is we come in, we design a hatchback. Mm-hmm. So a uh, re- real compact. Maybe we call it the model two. He didn't say that, but they said that here on inside EVs, which would make a lot of sense. You got room for a model two, don't you? Oh, yeah. And you could imagine a demand for that. You bring the cost down more than the model three. Model three is not a small car. It's actually pretty spacious. We were in it. It's not terrible. So maybe there is a step down from that you can do trim back maybe a little bit of the tech to bring the price down and really do the mass market thing that Elon has wanted to do. He keeps saying, we're bringing the price down. The 3 definitely got it down, but he wants to go even further. And uh, maybe the European market is is the right place to experiment with that. We'll see what develops. Cheaper Tesla. I mean, who's not looking for that? Apple's new Thunderbolt 3 cable costs a whopping $129. I probably should do an unboxing video of this cable unboxing the 129 because I like these I like these uh, uh products where only Apple can do it you know mm-hmm. uh, I did the stand and then prior to that was the wheels mm-hmm. it's just a fun time just thinking about Apple as a brand and how they can do things that no one else can do mm-hmm. and I'm not even people people kind of misunderstand my videos on that well, maybe they don't misunderstand. I leave it open-ended so you can have whatever interpretation you want. That's why I didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. In particular, the wheels video. Go to the wheels video. It kind of speaks for itself. $700 wheels. You open a box. Yeah, they, yeah, $700 wheels. They actually exist. I have fun with it. I <laughs> had some fun with it. Okay. Now I understand I doing there's some acting going on. So so I'm having fun too. But part of it it's part of the fun of it. The whole fun of it is the fact that it's Apple. If this was some luxury company and it was a a luxury item, I think people would have a, a... Myself, I would have a different impression of it because Apple is a brand that, yes, it's luxury, but they also, at the same time, attempt to appeal to the practical side too. So while they're selling $700 wheels, they're also selling a $399 iPhone SE. Right. You see what I'm saying? That's what makes Apple so strange and hard to... They want to be there for everyone. They want to talk about how iPads are inside of education and how there's such strong utility value for money in other places. But then they have these other products alongside that are so obviously outlandish and should be and can be and have to do... They do the dirty work for the brand of uh, bringing the uh, appeal, the kind of... uh, What would you say? Like the F1 car effect the halo effect. Yeah. They have a bold vision all the time. And the packaging that goes with it and yeah. everything else. So it, I think it's funny. I feel like in this video, and you can both be critical of the existence of the thing and also appreciate the existence of the thing. Yeah. At the same time. Mm-hmm. For what and as you can tell from my <laughs> It's a lot of fun. But anyways, this Thunderbolt cable, it does it has the same effect on you where the price tag is the marketing, the price tag is the interesting part of it. Like, hmm, is there something really special about these wheels? Is it the package? Is it the experience? And the same with the cable. Huh, is there something really? Well, with the cable, there is something to it. With Thunderbolt, which I happen to be obsessed with, Thunderbolt 3, it's not like all other cables. And Thunderbolt 4 is going to take it to another level. You can't just, just because it has a USB Type-C connector it's not interchangeable at all. It has completely different technology and therefore it has its own set of weird limitations. Mm-hmm. Because it is so high bandwidth and, and so high throughput, there are length limitations. Two meters, six feet around there is pretty much all you can do. Six and a half feet, I believe, is the limitation at the moment on a passive cable. And I looked into this a lot because I'm weird like that. So you're only going to see three-foot, six-foot cables out there, and not all of them are even going to work. So it could be a bit of a nightmare trying to track down the ones you need depending on your application. If you want to hook up a monitor, it's a whole thing. If you want to hook up some really fast storage, it's a whole thing. If, like you're doing here, you want to hook up a capture box that needs throughput for three separate PCI Express uh, PCIe slots, you're going to need some Thunderbolt. Mm -hmm. And if you wanted to put that box... You know, a mile that way. No, you can't. It just will not work. Mm-hmm. The the you cannot now in with th- with the previous Thunderbolt Thunderbolt two you could use optical cables, uh, very thin. Corning was making them, very expensive. I purchased a few back in those days because like again I got a problem. Uh, they these were like a thousand bucks. Some of these optical cables on Thunderbolt two, and then there was a rumor that Corning was going to do a new version of it for for Thunderbolt three, but it hasn't come about yet. I just can't imagine the market being, there's a $660 cable right there. Tremendous throughput at the time on Thunderbolt two, Thunderbolt three, the next stage. Well, anyways, this is the same cable that Apple uh, was including with the XDR display, which is a $5,000 display. So yeah, you get a $129 cable. It's gonna be braided. So it's that new style Apple cable. It's capable of 40 gigabits per second transfer so even though to the to the regular bystander it's going to look like a usb type c cable mm-hmm. you see the little thunderbolt logo and you realize it's got more horsepower in it it can do a little bit more uh this one is also capable of delivering the display port output for up to 6k on those xdr monitors which that's a key characteristic as well so it is a special cable. It's still an outlandish price. No Apple does not have to sell it to you for that price. They are they are they got a couple, they got they got money. They're doing okay. They could sell it to you for 50 bucks. No, no. But they don't. And it's part of the fun and you can hate it, you can love it. They want you to hate it or love it. They don't want it to be nothing. They're happy right now that this is a story. They're actually happy right now that you're mad. Yeah.
1: Tim Cook has a smell on
0: his. Face. It's weird. They're happy right now that you're mad to say, "Ha ha!" It's exclusive. Yeah. And people will buy it. And and if you're again, you know, a video editor, or something you got a bunch of Pro Display XDRs that are five or six thousand bucks. Will you think you lose sleep over one twenty nine? No, you don't. You don't lose sleep over one twenty nine. Hmm. So, anyway, maybe I'll unbox it. looks Looks like it's a blast. Yeah. I'm sure the packaging's going to be on point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Instagram has reportedly offered cash to high-profile TikTok users to lure them to its new short-form video service, Reels. We talked about Reels. They rushed to get Reels out when India banned TikTok, and then they started to launch Reels in other markets shortly after. You, or Prior to that, they had been testing it in other markets, Brazil, Germany, and others. Now they're going to rush it to the U.S., We have our issues going on. Uh, Not our issues. I guess we're in Canada. We'll wait and see what happens. But the U.S. has stated their issues with TikTok, investigating and looking into it. So there is a push. People are figuring out where they're going to live, their social media uh, lives, their online presence. Mm -hmm. And some of these people are prominent players in the TikTok space providing tremendous content. Up until this point, TikTok hadn't done much about it. Beyond those people you selling their own sponsorships for their tremendous user base. Uh, TikTok came out, so we're going to do a $200 million fund. You heard about it. Mm-hmm. Now we get this report that Instagram, who's really Facebook, says, nah, 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 we want to play in this battleground. We want a piece of this war. We want to be on these front lines. You see him trying to? Yeah. Comparison there. It's a battleground. Mm hmm. It's really not. It really doesn't matter that much. But anyways, uh, they have apparently offered certain users somewhere in the neighborhood of $100,000. Uh, they, they, they don't say exactly because no one wants to be named in this thing. I'm sure everything was confidential. But somewhere in the hundreds of thousands of dollars to move over, I don't know what these contracts would look like. I would assume these people would leave TikTok for uh, Facebook, well, for Instagram in the form of Reels. Reels is a bit different. You have 15 seconds to work with instead of 60. But I can imagine some nervous TikTok users with a number of followers looking at this deal from Instagram saying, Instagram looks robust. I could go over here. I could look at this paperwork here. Nice little lump sum figure. What am I doing? I'm dancing to the tunes over here. Mm -hmm. I take some Facebook money. Move all my life. Maybe I uh, buy a new car.
1: And with a younger audience, I guess, you know. Hundred thousand is a lot to them. I mean, it's a lot to us. But
0: hey, Will, you know. take it easy over there. Did you just flex?
1: I mean, if I'm if I'm a teen, hundred thousand is a ton of money.
0: No, I know, but I feel like you just flexed on the audience, and it was a little bit rude of you.
1: <laughs> no, no, no.
0: You were like, you know, if I was, you know, if I was like eighteen or something, hundred grand, sheesh. Well, well, take it easy on them. They're not ready for that. No,
1: no. But it's, it's it's a ton. No, it is, age, it is. It is. I sure. know. Of
0: course it is. And, uh, you know, Zuckerberg has been obsessed with the young people because he had them at one time. Mm-hmm. And then he lost them. I mean, now he wants them back. Come home, young people. Yeah. Uh, and the young people, they left Facebook. Instagram's hanging in there a little more. But Snapchat happened. TikTok happened. TikTok, what do you got? Two billion downloads? Whatever it was. That's Zuckerberg's looking at that. He's said, that's my money. Mm-hmm. Get out of here. So he's ready to take him back, and he's going to make all the moves necessary to make it happen, even if it's a couple hundred grand here and there. It ain't nothing to Zuckerberg. No, it might be something to, them, no. to teenage Will. It ain't nothing to Zuckerberg. Uh, speaking of TikTok, it appears it's not strictly a, a political issue, because you may have thought a lot of those dudes, uh, Pompeo's of the world, and even Trump, for that matter. You might have thought, okay, they have there's a political agenda from that particular party, to create some sort of a uh, story, some sort of a conversation around a Chinese relationship, China-U.S. relationship. Well, now you have the other side, Biden, uh, Joe Biden. His staff is going to be deleting TikTok as well, which seem, to me seems to indicate that this is not a one-sided political issue, mm-hmm. or as they say in, a, in a political terms, it's not a partisan issue. Mm-hmm. You see, now we're a politics show. All we had to do was use that one word and we just transcended. We're now, it's not just uh, tech and business and space. We're in politics. No, we take it easy on the politics because you got enough of that. Yeah. Oh, baby. But this is important from the tech angle. I was curious about whether or not TikTok and more specifically the China-US relationship was going to be a one-sided political conversation, but it looks like it's on both. Uh, Staffers from Democrat Joe Biden's presidential campaign must remove TikTok from personal and work phones, a campaign official told The Verge. That's because of security concerns around the popular app. It keeps coming back to this clipboard thing. The fact that it had access to these iOS clipboards, which could compromise uh, in a big way, compromise users who were using those password management apps that would Use the clipboard to store passwords prior to putting the. You know that. You know what I'm saying right here? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. you start looking at the. Oh, you start looking into those clipboards. Maybe those clipboards have something you're looking for. Mm. Why are you looking over there? People kept saying, "What? Well, what good is the clipboard?" They say, "Oh, it's anti-spam." Really? Because clipboard also sometimes the passwords are in there. Mm-hmm. You sense a tone in my voice here. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. You hear me well, but you always hear me, so I'm not worried about you. It's everybody else. So, uh, yes, this uh, campaign policy was first reported to Bloomberg, and they're basically doing a, the same thing that other US officials are doing, departments of state and homeland security, the US Army, US Navy. Uh, we'll wait to see what happens as far as the public is concerned, but it appears to be nonpartisan, this particular issue. Uh, Americans are driving older cars than they have in a really long time, Will. And before we scroll down this uh, document, mm-hmm. uh, this webpage, I want you to take a guess what you think the average age of a car on the road in America is right now. Average age. Mm-hmm. Maybe 10? 12. Hey, man, you changing it up on me? The average age of cars, sport utility, sport utility vehicles, and pickup trucks rose to 11.9 years. Ah. You're so happy right now. Oh, yeah. And this is uh, the highest level in nearly 20 years. So this this 12-year barrier is apparently a big deal. And, of course, the current world situation, people aren't buying new cars. They're going to hang on to what they have a lot of times and and maybe even repair those cars. So repair business might not be a terrible business right now. People trying to save a few bucks. Mm. Uh, and uh, so, yeah. So, and, and, oh, on top of that, cars, better cars. Yeah. Right? more we got, reliable. Yeah, cars have gotten better and more reliable. We've had uh, some healthy competition bringing in, you know, the the Hondas and Toyotas and everything else and and uh, of course increasing reliability in the in the in the long term, which is good it means people people aren't recycling their cars as often, they maintain them, maybe there's an environmental component there that's positive. But it's obviously not positive for automakers who want to sell you a car. Right, they're sitting there saying, "We need some of that stuff that Tesla's got going on, little hype train." How do we get one of those hype trains? Maybe do we get a, we do a Bronco, as they did. Well, but it's working. Well, I mean, we're talking about the Bronco, but yeah. as far as like the wide ranging, the variety of people out there on the roads, nah, man, it's twelve years. Mm. And I think people, it's it, I think it's kind of a healthy thing to hear for people looking around. Maybe they're looking around at their vehicle. They kick. They're kicking the side of it. I hate this piece of junk because they saw the guy roll by in a brand new BMW or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it is. It just puts things in perspective, man. The average age of a car right now, 12 years, 11. Point, and you guessed it, by the way. And you're super happy about that. Oh yeah, yeah, you guessed it. But you did change the guess, which. Mm. I don't know how people are going to feel about that. Maybe uh, people can let me know down in the comments if that's fair game or he has to go with his original guest that he blurted out. Like, which type of game show is this? Is it the slap and talk? Or is it the kind of more, hmm, uh, who wants to be a millionaire final answer? Because you didn't get the final, you see? Yeah. Speaking of final answer, shout out to Regis who passed away recently. Well, I can't give him a shout out, but just a a, a general shout out. Uh, That guy logged more hours on TV than I think anyone in history it was a Guinness Book World Record in front of a camera, and uh, uh, not just the the talk show that he had, but he also had the game show Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. I didn't plan this uh, shout out, but he passed away recently. But he was, you know, he was older, natural causes. It's the way to do it. It's the way to go if you gotta go. And I gotta say, man, mm. uh, all those accolades aside, that meme video, well, he got the fitness video. Um, that thing oh man that thing <laughs> will blow you away that thing will blow you away so you go look at the shape that the guy was in uh, I mean yeah he's he's like 90 years old now at the time of death but he was he was getting things done and if you want to have a a trip down memory lane have yourself a little fun then uh, you can go watch out his workout video as well it's a lesser known an oldie but a goodie that's a classic right there Big and
1: bucket of wind as people say, right? A what? Big bucket of wind. A big bucket of wind. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow. You've been saving that one up. <laughs> you got me. You got me off guard. <laughs> you got me off guard.
1: <laughs> that. Uh, that <laughs> Who <means>? says that? <laughs> I don't know, but I hear it. Here okay. And, here all right. There.
0: That's how you read you that know? in the comments or something. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. Figured out. So uh, RIP, R- 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 I- You done did it. Um, C E S. 2021 shifts to a fully virtual experience after originally planning an in-person event. I know they came out. I don't know maybe it was like a month ago and they were like, yeah, we're still doing it. It's going to be awesome. Come to Las Vegas. And of course the Las Ve- Vegas mayor, she was on uh, doing the rounds, some press rounds or whatever. And she was saying, we got to open back up. This is Las Vegas. We got to open back up. Well, yeah, Las Vegas got to be hurting. Yeah. This is a place, what's going on when the events aren't happening and the venues aren't working and the convention center has nothing on the horizon? uh, That's a pretty nasty outlook, so Mm -hmm. I I hear it. I get it, but it did seem a bit insane, the idea. This convention is enormous. I've been many times. I feel like you've been a few times. Yeah, tons of business goes back and forth there. 200,000 people maybe. You have hundreds of thousands of people in tight indoor spaces. Wearing suits. You can't do it. Oof. You can't do it right now. So they decide to go virtual uh, instead of in person. Although I don't even understand what the virtual version is. Can't the companies just... Well, you said they can just send us products yeah. that they were going to launch it. But can't they also just do their own video... Showcases. Showcases, launches, whatever. CES, the event, is about... Interacting with people in the industry that you wouldn't bump into otherwise. It's about these elaborate displays. Oh yeah, that you wouldn't see elsewhere. It's kind of like an amusement park effect. I don't know what this. I can't. I don't envision this virtual event being a huge hit. But more, hey, whatever they can pull off, maybe they do some kind of VR event or AR, or I don't know what they're gonna do. But I, I mean, I feel bad for them. It's hard to pull it off, and you have it's your whole business you got this one event all year it's your whole thing well
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh these companies they book their spaces well in advance and they pay big money for those spaces and they, they can't deliver in the convention center and it's just I I have been so many years I realize how many people are employed as well building and taking down these huge sets and also just the staff the the staff at the convention center the security staff, I get to know some of these people over the years, and you're like the hotel workers. It's just such a huge. There's so many people affected, connected, and affected. And that's Mm -hmm. just looking at the big picture. It's not simple. You can't be over here and be an outsider and say, "Yeah, shut it down. Who cares?" Like that's not fair either. Mm -hmm. It's you really got to think about it. And I agree with their their decision to get rid of it, but I can still I still have some sympathy to go along with. I just have an intimate relationship with this particular event. It's been so many years. Now, mm-hmm. I haven't been in a while and I likely wouldn't be going this year anyways, but still, it's uh it's unfortunate. Uh speaking of attempting to deal with the weird circumstances of the world, mm. the NBA is going to be using Microsoft Teams <laughs> to create a virtual crowd. And I don't know, have you watched any of these NBA games? I've seen a few. Okay, so it's kind of has like a gymnasium vibe to it. It's not the most exciting. Mm-hmm. And you start to realize, man, the role that the crowd plays is kind of significant. Yeah. In basketball, they're a part of the show. They're right there on the floor. And it really amps up the intensity level and the pressure level. Now, the to be fair, the games we've seen up until this point have just been scrimmages, not a lot on the line. So right. we'll see how that evolves with the uh, player intensity. Now, I'm not saying people aren't trying. I'm just, I don't. The games don't aren't meaning much at the moment. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the players are playing, uh, but this is a kind of a way to increase that intensity level. Offers a simulation of what a crowd is, and there's been different approaches to this. In Japan, you saw. The uh, stuffed animals, is that what is that the official name? Are they stuffed animals? What are those? Plush? What do people call them? Plushies? I yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, you didn't feel comfortable are saying it. Neither did I. That's why I asked you. I didn't feel comfortable saying that <laughs> word either. Uh, then you had the iPads. Now, this looks a little more feasible, and those are real fans, but doesn't that make you feel a little awkward down in your belly? Look at oh, that. Yeah. Look at that. They're waving and their heads are all different sizes because of the nature of webcams. And imagine being a player on the floor. It's just such an awkward, like, look, I am, I think it's probably better than not having it, but it's so, it's obviously not a perfect substitute for the real version of it. And just play the clip one more time, Well, Check the waving out. It's just a, I don't know, it's kind of something uneasy feeling about it. All these people are sitting in their own homes, and the Microsoft Teams technology is what allows them to all appear as though they're sitting in the same space. Like it has cut them out, essentially, of their background, each individual. But the, they're all different colors, the scales, the white balance. Now, maybe this is us just being nerds. And then you know where my head went? And and, and I might be just a little more uh, creative than some individuals in imagining what might happen here. But those are real people who submit to be on the stream, to be allowed in, right? Right. To be an audience member. And they can do whatever they want their will. Now, I'm not saying they're going to do something. I don't know what they're going to do. I can't speak for it. But they can do anything there. They're in the comfort of their own homes. and. People are there's strange people in the world. Not everybody's got it together fully. Uh, You can imagine even somebody just want to have a little fun with it.
1: Mm -hmm. Do a little bit of streaking,
0: and and maybe not even to the point that you you and your brain is going right now. Mm. But I'm saying to the point of like holding up signs and text and language that a person wouldn't do in real life, but on this stream they feel comfy. Anyway, are I don't these,
1: know. Are these people vetted? Somewhere? I don't know
0: how they're going to vet them. It's it's right now. So this, uh, a couple, I've seen a couple of tweets. So here's one from the Pelicans. Register now to be in the Pelicans sections for the NBA virtual fan experience during the seeding games. This will fill up fast. Register here and a link for it. So it's going to be a sort of contest, I guess, because they're obviously going to get more registrations than they're going to have space for. Hmm. So I guess there is going to be some level of vetting. We'll wait and see how it works. I just hope people keep it together and don't ruin it for everyone else because it could be a fun experience. It could be cool.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Now, another part of the Microsoft Teams tech is apparently you can speak to the people next to you. You can actually interact. You're in the same chat group. So it's going to be really interesting to watch. And it's just one more creative way in which people are looking for workarounds in the current current state of things. The more we learn about Halo Infinite, the more it sounds like destiny. You and I have talked about Halo Infinite a couple of times now. And it seems to be a little near and dear for you. It's really pumped you up. It's really brought your voice out on the show. You've you've, uh, found it hard to keep your lips sealed when the topic of Halo Infinite comes up. Well. Now your lips are sealed. (laughs) Now that I've brought attention to it, your lips are sealed. Uh, Well, this uh, this writer, Paul Tassi, he makes some interesting points about what we know so far about Halo Infinite and what the plans may be for the future of it. Uh, He believes that... That this is going to be the last Halo game, and it will work as a platform for upgrades and enhancements and extra uh, packs and packages and expansions. So is the, no is no the word new, I'm
1: looking for? New story. It's just going to be.
0: Well, you've seen animals. a lot of games go this direction, right? Yeah. Where uh, the reason he's making the reference point to Destiny is because the Destiny didn't didn't go make a Destiny Three. They just kept on expanding Destiny 2. Yes. And that's a bungee game, I believe? Yes. Yeah. So once you go to a more open world style, which is, of course, that's the, the rumor for, or it's probably beyond a rumor. They've admitted that they're going for a more open world style with Halo Infinite. Then it becomes harder to rework the whole thing frequently and do a whole new game. People become invested in it. They said there's going to be Weapons and weapons upgrades, and it sort of ventures more into that RPG. Yeah, again, well, it goes that way. Now I don't know to what degree they're going to embrace that, but you look at the branding of the title of the game, Infinite, Halo Infinite, right? And now you start to think maybe, there's, maybe there's a point here that that's the way the game goes. And then you look at all the other popular games. I know I was reading; people were mad because there was there was talk that. Halo Infinite would also have some sort of a Battle Royale piece to it. Oh. Which people didn't like the idea. And But just look at what's popular, Will. I hate to say it, man. Look at what's popular. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: You can't ignore it if you're a game developer. Right. And if you're in the business of employing game developers, staying in business here you uh, you look at the models that are working and you you to a, to a certain extent you can't ignore them you got to emulate some aspects of them so i don't know how much they're going to embrace this idea but it does look like they're working in that direction the exciting part even if you're against this idea the exciting part remains a vast open environment that they can truly invest in because it may go beyond any one game release or one game title. Mm-hmm. And even for the people who were critical of the lack of next genness with the graphics that were shown off in the early uh, campaign gameplay premiere, which you and I watched on the show and apparently weren't harsh enough about, remember? Mm-hmm. Maybe you can put up with that if the world is just enormous and you can all of a sudden interact with tons of things.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: so that's really gonna be the deal breaker on this is the scale and scope of the world and I'm excited for that in a halo game regardless so you would want that I I, le- I, like like I I like an open open world I like an open world am i what about you is that you yeah. like a closed world <laughs> I like a tight world
1: <laughs> well yeah they can give it a shot and see how it goes
0: I think you know, the vastness of a game I think with helps halo makes sense helps you escape into it and kind of lose the typical on the rails parameters, not to say that there's not still a place for that, but I think there's a reason people have gravitated towards these open worlds. You just got, it just feels like a little more freedom within the game. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that works in a Halo game, but it's worked, it's worked well elsewhere.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Bitcoin is spiking. Bitcoin is back. People care about Bitcoin. Uh, it's becoming more mainstream. Some banks are starting to treat it more like a currency. In fact, some banks are and investment companies like large-scale, high-profile are making it easy for regular everyday investors to buy Bitcoin, and then those uh, companies will actually hold it, secure it, pet it, mm-hmm. uh, check in on it every so often. Give it food and water. Nurture it, because <laughs> that's been one of the apprehensions for people. Like, what do I do with this thing? How do I? I'm scared. Where's my wallet? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there's so that's one reason, but there's other reasons too. Uh, it's also become more limited since that how hal- having having. I, that's not. I don't like that word halving. <laughs> having, half having, but that sounds like having, doesn't yeah. it? It sounds exactly like the word like I'm having a hamburger. Yeah. Well, you're not cutting it in half, you're having it. Mm-hmm. But you could also be having it. English. English. So you kind of have to say halving. <laughs> <laughs> what a nightmare terminology. It is having having. Anyways. So uh yeah, there's not an abundance of it. It was always a limited thing, but it feels uh, it feels even more limited. And then uh, and then you have this lightning network stuff, which uh, the lightning network is working. Side chains are working. You can do more with Bitcoin today than you could do last year. The lightning network is a second layer technology for Bitcoin that scales the blockchain's ability to conduct transactions, and it's increasing people's ability to actually use the network. So the network, it was bogged down, and... You now have this second layer tech, which uh, apparently, apparently, well, hence the name Lightning. It's looking to speed things up and make it more useful. So Bitcoin, maybe it's here to stay. People are really into it, and the price is reflecting that. Also, though, the stock market, a lot of other areas, people are throwing their money around. People are having fun. So we're not really sure what we can take away from it from that standpoint. But it's hot right now. It's above 11000 I don't know. Maybe you want to check it. The other day you called Bitcoin a stock and people loved it. I don't know if you noticed that. You well, said Bitcoin stock and people were like Well, it's easy to search for. People it. just loved it. They were all about Willy do when you called it a stock.
2: Oh
0: yeah. Yeah. Even though So there you go. Oh yeah, right around eleven thousand. It's down a little bit today, but still very close to eleven thousand bucks. Big big times for the crypto in the crypto land. Hmm. People love the crypto. Uh years before Twitter's big hack. That's kind of a connection there. Bitcoin hack. There was a Bitcoin demand on the hack. I'm just, I didn't plan to put those together. So I'm happy about that. Years before the big hack, Twitter contractors reportedly were spying on celebrities, including Beyonce. I guess uh, you can imagine Beyonce being a target for that. uh, Among other celebrities, there's something weird about that, isn't it? That, People, you give them power and some control and they're like, let's go check out what Beyonce's saying in her DM. (laughs) Just
1: immediately? I
0: don't know. It's just weird. It's weird Mm -hmm. how that works. It's like the same person. There's something about the nature of celebrity where that same person might feel bad about doing it to just a regular citizen. where they'd be like, no, it's my neighbor. I'm not going to go snooping around his place. But Beyonce. But like behind closed doors in a hidden, uh, far off land and with the target being Beyonce, they don't feel bad about it. It's just mm-hmm. disconnected enough. Yeah, it's Beyonce. They're, she's a celebrity. She's rich. Who cares? Yeah. It's a weird mindset. I I, I don't uh, subscribe to it myself. I would think that it's the same rules apply. And I mean, I get it. People, I get it. I get both sides here. But uh, I like to think at least at this point in my life, I'm, I'm not really uh, uh, Snoopy. I'm not really into the snooping around. Sure, bud. <laughs> that's a perfect sure bud moment, by the way. At least in this case. What's Beyonce saying or doing? It's just, what's... Anyway. That's me. I, I understand. Yeah. Even even people looking for uh, money or, um, uh, what, what is it, bribery. There's a lot of incentive there mm-hmm. outside of the typical stuff. Anyway, some dirt. So, Twitter is under fire because it's like, man, all of your weird... Uh, connections that you give to these external parties and even your own dashboard, which was at the root of, like, who's got access, man? Mm. Uh, geez, it's a little too freewheeling over there. When you're a company of this scale, you got to limit some of this functionality. Uh, So anyways, there's this company, which is another fun one to pronounce, Cognizant, with a Z. Cognizant. Uh, apparently their employees they're an, an independent contractor that they uh back what 2017 2018 they made a game out of creating bogus help desk inquiries that allowed them to peek into celebrity accounts including beyonce's to track the stars personal data including their approximate locations were uh, gleaned from their devices IP addresses things like this it's all I don't know it's creepy but, uh, yeah, you can see you're bored at work. You create a little game out of it. You can imagine it happening. That company had uh, 1,500 full-time employees, which, wait wait a minute. Contractors were reportedly employed by professional services vendor Cognizant. Yes. They still work with Twitter, and they have 1,500 full-time employees and contractors. Not a small company. Hmm. Not a small they breach there. They all have there. admin
1: access. Uh, yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> They have one username and password for the whole company.
1: (laughs) ABC, one, two, three.
0: (laughs) Admin, one, two, three, four. Uh, So they were able to access and make changes to user accounts on, on Twitter for Twitter users. Now that, that this Twitter, this big hack with the Bitcoin hack and the big names, the Elon Musk and the Kanye West and Bill, uh, Bill Gates and everything else came out, you got to know people are going to uh, be looking at Twitter in a different way. A lot of this stuff is going to come out. Who has access? What's really going on? I know even myself, Will, when I, every so often I look at an account and I'll go in to see all the third-party apps that have some sort of tie into it and I'm like, my God, I've accumulated there's too many and you got to go in every so often and just remove Especially, that access because yeah. it's wild. All the, it's intertwined. Mm-hmm. So anyways, here's an example of that. Uh, don't be creepy, people. Do you There's things you can do with your life. Mm. Uh, you can go play catch outside. That's fun. You go, you play catch. Yeah. It's incredible. <laughs> They're like, yeah, right. I can look at Beyonce. Play catch. Loser. Boomer lousy Boo. hater. I don't know what I'm being called. All, all the above. But uh, yeah. there's lots you can do. As far as uh, this next guy's concerned, here's what he chose to do instead of spying on Beyonce. He used his PPP loans to buy a 2020 Lamborghini. He is from Miami. He's 29 years old. The PPP loans will, in case you're unfamiliar, Paycheck Protection Program. This uh, came in from the government to try to help small businesses stay in business in the midst of a global pandemic. And obviously that would be tough to do. A lot of people uh, were going to lose their jobs. Some, many still did, but this program, it aimed to put money in the pockets of these companies so they could keep making payroll and keep paying rent, presumably, and, and all the rest of it. And of course, of course it gets exploited Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as it would. It's like, just like our last story, actually, you can't, throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm. You know, the old the old saying or, or maybe the bad apple saying. Like, you can't kill the whole thing because I know for a fact that there's been small businesses that needed this money and were really honest about it and only took what they needed. But then you have guys like this guy who he applied for $13.5 million in loans, writing fraudulent loan applications under the guise of several companies. He dropped 318000 on this Italian sports car. Well, that's the Lambo. And he had $3.4 million sitting in his bank account. Now, I'm sure he's just accused at this point. I'm sure it's just uh, alleged. So, uh, until he's convicted of such crimes. But uh, he claimed he operated four companies with dozens of employees and $4 million in monthly expenses. He pulled in three payments of $3.9 million. And uh, I mean, I can't really say that he doesn't have companies. I don't know. It was a very uh, limited investigation here, but certainly there's going to be a lot of people angry that he's mm-hmm. using this money meant to help. They, they may have been deno- d- uh, denied their PPP, mm-hmm. and they really needed to survive. And meanwhile, he over here with the, with the Lambo, but it does really expose, will, something at the root and the core of human nature that's uh, problematic. Where there is an opportunity to scam, there will be scam. Oh yeah, and the when there's hand people handing out money, it, it at a scale or a scope an impossible scale like this. It how are you not going to have this happen? Yeah, and and then how are you not gonna how are you going to catch everyone? And then you don't catch everyone, and then how are you going to stop everyone? From telling everyone else about the, how fantastic the scam was, so then every, then you increase the number of scammers, mm-hmm. and it's a it's just a real problem, just with humans in general. And and I'm not saying we we had there's a susceptibility. You see this guy roll up in the Lambo and go, yeah, get, I got it from the government, and then I'm sitting there working, yeah, Why and I'm, I'm sitting the there lambing. slaving in the uh, what is it the essential as an essential worker or something, I'm a nurse or something. And this guy rolls up on the PPP with the Lambo. My goodness. It makes me want to just chuck the whole thing out. It makes me not even want to participate. It makes me not even want to be productive. So it's a real risk factor. We all have to think about when these programs roll out is, can we really manage it? And how do we, uh, how do we, really reasonably stop these types of things from happening yeah because it it's going to be expected oh it's going to happen it's going to happen and and human beings have tried a number of experiments over the years on how to live and how to distribute uh finances Mm -hmm. and they all haven't worked out they don't all work out Mm -hmm. so we just keep that in mind we just keep that in mind but shout out to the small businesses Shout out to the small businesses right now that are doing it and hanging in there and and and, and, and keeping people employed in this particular time. Shout out if that's any one of anybody that's doing that and doing it the real way and the right way and putting in the work. I feel that. Uh, this, this is a cool innovation here. A little upside, a little uh, pandemic optimism. Pandemic drives boom in air button technologies. Now, there have been, I'm sure you, may, maybe you've seen this, heard about this, maybe even tried it, Will. All the different ways you can interact with uh, a digital interface without touching it. There's been some that have not really been adopted. Most, let's be honest. Most when people say, I just touch my screen. Please stop. Uh, I don't want to be bothered waving about in the air and things. But now you have a real reason to make a push for it because of germs and screen touching. And I'm sure you've had this experience post COVID or we're in COVID now where you do have to go into a store for some reason. You got the mask on, you're kitted out, but then you go to the self-checkout and you got to touch something or you got the pin pad, you got to touch something. And then they get the sanitizer right between the thing that they touch. And then they're wiping the thing that they just, such a whole, what if we didn't have to touch it? What if we could wave over top? What if you could engineer an actual haptic that gave you a physical feedback type of vibration, but in the air, hovering over the display? Oh. (laughs) Are we doing the (laughs) pitch? We're doing the pitch for it right now? Well, apparently, they're able to use some type of sonar? Mid-air haptics involve using concentrated ultrasound radiation to mimic a sense of touch. It works by modulating ultrasound speakers in such a way that you can make them perceivable on the non-hairy part of your skin. I, don't, I guess hair would get in the way of it, but that's fine. It's the palm of your hand anyways. And so you can feel it, Will. Wouldn't that be cool? Now, there's other technologies. They're not all, uh, not not every company in this area is working on that particular version of this. Uh, there was the, the Soli chip that was on the, Pixel that will never be there again because nobody used it. And that was just, uh, what was that? That's that was true. using radar technology. so Sonar, radar. I can't even remember. Uh, and then apparently uh, Jaguar, Land Rover, the car company, they're uh, experimenting with predictive touch for their dashboard control panel, which is also going to be touchless touch. But imagine a future where all these interfaces could be managed without touching them. You could cut back a lot of germ transmission. Now, COVID is mostly airborne, we're figuring out at this point, which is the whole mass conversation, the sneezing, the coughing, the talking, the close proximity. Mm. But just germ transmission in general, it's an interesting uh, area of technology. See how that goes.
1: Yeah, if they can hone it down and it feels right, then yeah.
0: It's like a lot of things where you need the demand in the first place, people willing to try something new. You need that kind of spark plug to then drive the investment so that then you can have the thing develop and get better because the technology just isn't that great right now. Right. But I mean, you saw the futuristic minority report stuff. Oh, yeah. Imagine you could feel the haptics of your touch from a distance on big interfaces. I don't know, man. I don't know, man.
1: I support it if they can get it right. Could be
0: interesting. Polaris recovering from shutdown with unprecedented demand for off-road vehicles. Polaris, the company, they make you know you you, these like uh, four wheel, four by four, ATV type, or even the with the lid on it, or even I guess they make other types of vehicles like uh, ski doo type Mm -hmm. uh, snowmobiles, and they make all this kind of stuff. And there's a number of companies that do this. And I started to notice more advertising for these vehicles, and I wondered what was up. I was like, why am I seeing advertising for this stuff now? Granted of course I want these things because mm-hmm. they're amazing, they're cool. But I just felt like there was an uptick in the advertising. And then I see this article, I'm like, yes, of course. People are kind of changing what they're up to uh, amid this global crisis. And what, they, what they're what they doing for entertainment has got to be closer to home. <laughs> People are are doing the RVing stuff. They're going up north. They're outdoors. Uh, traveling the outdoors. They're going hiking. This is another kind of version of that. Now, they had to shut down because there, a lot of their assembly stuff and uh, because of the pandemic and the supply was down at a lot of the dealers. They couldn't get, they weren't making new ones so they couldn't get them so they had more supply or demand than supply because people really wanted these things. But when you have all this demand, you uh, it's a positive thing even if you can't meet yes. the, the supply. You're sitting there saying, well, as soon as we get back, we're going to crush this and that's what they're experiencing right now is they now they get to crawl back they get to head back into the uh, manufacturing and actually deliver these things and it appears to be a nice upward swing for these off-road vehicles and it's just funny how again on the optimistic side you could be doom and gloom you could always uh, uh, you can always find the tragedy mm-hmm. but actually if you look a little bit you can also find the flip side of it
2: mm-hmm.
0: which is. Here's a company who stands to actually gain from this thing because people are changing. They they look elsewhere. There's 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 the glass half empty, the glass half full. You're well aware, Will. Yes. And so now people they hop on a, on, a, on the on the off road vehicle, or they go for the hike, or they spend more time with family. It's an interesting development. And a guy like you, you could have a lot of fun on one of these. Oh, so now are, I just pitched it to you. Maybe they'll send us one. Uh, for the new place we need we could drive one of those around uh, new new place is big enough we should have one in there for moving big things around uh
1: moving things
0: around they also don't polaris also makes the slingshot the slingshot yeah yeah i think you try to contact them about we that one. we can get one yeah. okay so polaris hit uh, polaris hit, hit us up the time is right the time is now uh the people are interested and you, you know it as well as anyone you got the data you got the demand This one is incredible. It's another, here's another, uh, weird COVID story that is, uh, kind of the bright side. I know it's going to be near and dear to you because you got the Otis thing going on. Mm -hmm. You got the little, little guy who, uh, well, you do everything for that guy. I show up here to work, you're throwing the ball around and, uh, giving him the exercise and all that. Well, apparently, that little guy, Otis is a dog, by the way, in case anyone doesn't know dogs are able to sniff COVID. They can smell it on you. Really? They can smell if you're infected. Well, I mean, they got to be trained. I apologize to Otis, but they got to be a certain caliber, you know. Maybe Otis can train and get to that level. Uh, But apparently, they're as effective as some tests at smelling COVID in people's saliva. Oh. So you had... A German study, University of Veterinary Medicine, Hanover, it found that dogs are able to distinguish human saliva samples that are infected with the novel coronavirus from those that are not with 94% accuracy if properly trained. Wow. For the study, which was published in the BMC Infectious Diseases Journal on July 23rd, researchers trained eight dogs from Germany's armed forces for just one week. Okay, but those, you know those type of dogs. Yeah. Like, uh, they're already tuned up with the sniffing for contraband. Mm-hmm. And so you just give them a new scent and maybe they take a week. Uh, the dogs were directed to sniff the saliva of more than 1,000 people, both infected and not infected. The samples were distributed at random. Neither the dogs nor their handlers knew if they were receiving an infected sample. That's a real study, Will. Oh, wow. We think that the dogs are able to detect a specific smell of the met- metabolic changes that occur in... In those patients, it's incredible. Now, to be clear, the quick version of the tests that are currently out there, uh, swabbed samples from the nose, throat, or saliva are only 93% accurate, as it stands right now. The dogs were 94 Wow. Now, if you go to the next stage swab, which is the long one, which goes all the way back down, that gets up to 99%, so that's still better than the dogs, but... Uh, oftentimes, those types of tests aren't feasible, and you can imagine these dogs anywhere those tests aren't available.
1: Yeah, this is a very cheap solution, very quick as well.
0: You have these dogs patrolling around, and I mean, they're they're sticking thermometers on people's heads when they go places. You could have uh, these dogs at airports, and I don't know. It's really interesting now. Some people, the a- a- animal rights type of people, would say, "You got these dogs sticking their nose in the in the corona." In the corona saliva, how rude of you! Those people gonna be out there. Apparently, dogs aren't really that affected uh, by this virus for whatever reason. Yeah. Recently, the first animal infection was uh, found. It was a cat, actually. It's not impossible for them to get it, but they just aren't really impacted by it. So you shouldn't, I guess, shouldn't be too concerned about that. And there will be more testing. But how cool is that? Superpowers, man! Their sense of smell. Mm-hmm. Get out of town. Me. I wake up in the morning. I'm congested. I can't even smell my coffee sometimes. Nice. These dogs, they they're smelling metabolic changes. Ooh. Love it. Crazy. Let's go to the space section of the show real quick. Mars rover is set to launch from Florida in search of ancient life. You gotta love it, don't you? It's been a it's been a little while, or it's been a minute, as the kids say, uh, since there's been a rover roving. On Mars. I think these things blow my mind. They're so cool. It takes like six months to get there. What's different this time around? Uh, unlike previous rovers that are just sort of examining things there, and then people are monitoring it remotely from here. Obviously, we're not there. Uh, this one is actually the samples are gonna come back. Now, yeah, you you you're saying, wait a second. How are they gonna retrieve this stuff? Well, this this guy, this little guy's gonna march around. Do the work, collect the samples. I think 47 samples it's looking for.
1: And he's going to launch it?
0: <laughs> That's what I was wondering.
1: It's going to launch it?
0: Uh, No, they're going to go collect it. The yeah. rover will drill for 43 samples and collect them in tubes. They will then leave on the planet's surface to be collected by a future mission in 2026. Oh. I don't know what they're going to be capable of in 2026, how it's going to come back and collect it. Like, what the heck is going to make it back? But anyway, and nonetheless, this is an incredible article that just discusses how difficult it is to launch one of these things. Listen to this right here. how you got, Not necessarily to launch it, but to land it once it gets there. That appears to be the craziest part. Landing the rover without damaging it is one of the most difficult parts of the mission. The rover must slow to a halt from 12,000 miles per hour. And then once it's broken through the Mars atmosphere, there are seven minutes of terror during which the teams back on Earth cannot communicate with it. So there's there's a seven minute period where it's in limbo, and your whole all the work you've been doing for the whole year is resting on this moment. More than a year, the thing's traveling for six months. Oh my God, it's so it's so incredible. Mm. But anyways, uh, they're going for it. I find it to be very exciting myself. Mars is, uh, of course, uh, the topic of a lot of space travel conversation because it appears to be our... It should be our next investigation. It looks to be the planet that possibly could have once upon a time supported life. And so it'll be very interesting to see what this thing can pick up and if the analysis can expose... Those signs, signs of previous life, mm-hmm. is that's primarily what they're looking for here. Very exciting. Yeah, exciting times in the space world. Speaking of the space world, you heard of SpaceX? Uh, those uh, those satellites that are up there. What are they called, by the way? Do they have a payloads? name? Payloads. Did you say payloads? Yeah. They're satellites. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> they what? What they. What what name were you thinking? I mean, of? I like the word payload. You can use it for whatever you want, but uh, there yeah, I don't know, whatever. The satellites for their their new uh, their new program that they're launched, Starlink, is I think what they're called. Yeah. The group of them. Anyway, they call their. This is what they look like when you take a trying to take space photography. I didn't know really exactly what people were talking about when there was a pushback on the, on these satellites, and people were saying they're going to screw up our. I think I did a story on this a little while ago about how Elon had to come out and say, look, I'm gonna try to fix it. But this is the evidence of exactly what happens when a space photographer, that's a photographer on earth that likes to photograph space, is trying to capture a really unique event. So his name is Daniel Lopez and it's a comet event called Neowise. And of course that's the comet in the image there. And all the lines are the satellites. It's crazy how bright they show up as streaks. Now, I think it looks cool, but I can imagine it gets old after a while. You, you, you don't want your whole sky to look like that, so I guess I understand some of the pushback. It's all uh, risk-reward situation here. If it's going to be really rewarding, you kind of put up with a little bit of it. Uh, now, they they have they are attempting to do something to mitigate this problem. On the Starlink, uh, Starlink satellites, they're going to try to put on future versions some some kind of uh, sunshade on newer units that will limit this effect. And I suppose this is some sort of reflection that they're that they're going to have to attempt to limit that the reflection is what whatever's being picked up reflection of light. I'm, I'm assuming. Uh, and they're also going to plan to reduce reduce light pollution footprint by adjusting the angle of the solar panels on there. So they're going to, they're trying. They, they don't like, I guess they don't like this either, or they're at least hearing people's concerns about uh, what this is doing. This is some type of space pollution. It really makes you think it's kind of crazy because Im- imagine the whole sky, just satellite fest up there, space junk. It's a... It's a, a strange thing to attempt to imagine. Where do you limit it? Who has the rights? What's involved? I mean, I'm not trying to shut it down. Not yet. Uh, the, it seems really promising right now for people, getting people connected that just wouldn't be feasible otherwise. But it is is—it's a curious thought experiment to imagine what, what if every corporation in the world is up there with their own satellites and then... Because I like the sky as well.
1: Yeah, space photography will be... You can't do it. I'm a big
0: sky guy as well. Lately I go, I think I told you about this. I'm out in the pool late at night and I'm checking, I'm looking at the sky, you know? Yeah. So it's a, it puts things in perspective in a, I mean, it really does. I I don't know. Mm-hmm. You've heard it before, but Uh. this one you wanted me to talk about, and I don't even know where to go with it. It's such, a, I have awkward feelings about it. Uh. This is some next level ASMR. That's, it's number four on trending right now. So how can we avoid that ASMR in trending? Or maybe it's five now. Anyways, The uh, title of the video, ASMR Next Level for Brain Melting Tingles in Deep Sleep. And it is some futuristic looking uh, ASMR stuff with blue lighting and uh, uh, an alien looking face in there and all kinds of sound effects. And then it's looped a few times for 35 minutes. And uh, the description is warning you it'll be the deepest level of sleep you've ever experienced in your life oh boy uh i mean i don't know there's obviously people that are into this for me it's a little much but it is it does seem futuristic i was saying to you if this guy's head was chopped off like if it this like this frame right here with the three dimensional component that you receive through the stereo recording of the sound it certainly creates an experience. Mm-hmm. You can't deny it. It just allows you to place things with greater detail, and it almost surprises you the ability of your ears to discern the location of objects when you're really paying attention and things have been recorded in a, in, in in real stereo, proper stereo binaural yeah. sound. So this will give you that experience, but it is... My God, it has some weird like interrogation vibe or alien abduction like what are they like like look at the five six different playing with the goo and the light beam, but very uh sterile. very sterile. It feels futuristic in a way I mean, maybe eventually this is what we're all watching. Maybe, uh maybe this is what the aliens are watching right now. Maybe all traditional forms of entertainment and conversation uh, they all end and eventually, In the future, 200 years from now, or 100 years from now, we're all just sitting in front of screens doing this, that are doing this. Maybe that's the way it goes. I'm not convinced. I'm prepared to put up a fight myself. (laughs) But, hey, it's the cool thing about YouTube, man. Uh, Any community for anything, and you will find varieties of it, and levels of detail, and levels of production that you never expected to find there. And I can give a shout out here to ASMR Zeitgeist for taking a thing to another level. Cause that's what, that's the feeling I get looking at this. Some futuristic content for the future.